Welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. My name is Zachary Bader Shamai, and this year for season two of At The 55, I'll be joined on the mic by Western alumnus, London Beefeaters Hall of Famer, Mr. Dakota Vine. Dakota, thank you so much for joining me this year. Extremely excited to be here. You know, I hope I can do a great job. we got some big shoes to fill in more ways than one with Eddie gone. Yes, but sir. Just excited to start the season off. And I will mention that Eddie gone just strictly from a podcast standpoint we've expanded at the 55 we now have a website at the 55.ca we will be doing some articles some other fun content stuff whatever our band of hooligans can come up with which includes eddie meredith who's still going to be our just go-to football insider he's got contacts all throughout the league he knows everything about the game so he will very much still be involved and another addition for us brandon mackey Former UFT Blues defensive lineman, gonna be a bit of our UFT insider, and of course, just any other thoughts he has regarding what's going on uh, this season. So, before we jump into the episode for today, a couple things. First, quick shout out to the OUA Players of the Week, that being Savani out of Windsor on uh, the offensive side of the ball. We'll get into what he did in the episode. Casser for the Ravens and if you've been watching uh, Carlton for a couple years you know Jack Kasser is an absolute weapon there in the middle of their defense at linebacker and for the Waterloo Warriors one of the Ford brothers normally you'd expect to see Trey up there this time it was Tyrell taking it home for the special teams player of the week we'll get into those details and more going into our picks for the week because one of the things that we're going to do is track how well we can pick our projected winners for the week and perhaps do some kind of weird fun punishment for whoever comes in last place at the end of the season so this week myself dakota and eddie all finished four and one in our picks brandon trailing at three and two being the only one who took york and for yourself being the only one who took queens in terms of the losses and uh yeah with that being said we're gonna jump into the reviews of week one starting with our pick for game of the week western laurier final score in this game the western mustangs 32 laurier golden hawks 19 the game was in waterloo opening game for the golden hawks at home leading the way for the mustangs in this one chris merchant the pivot who led them to the vanier cup the past two years back at the helmet quarterback he went 15 for 24 putting up 236 yards two tds in the backfield, that was a big question mark for this team coming in with the loss of Joseph and Taylor, who have been just stalwarts for them for quite some time. Leading the way for them in rushing yards, Merchant himself. We saw throughout the U Sports playoffs last year that he's not afraid when he really needs to to run the ball when he has to. But a guy that I think a lot of people are expecting big production from in the backfield for them is Trey Humes. Some of the receivers that he was targeting this game, a couple familiar names. Cole Majoros is still there. Malik Bessinger, Trey Humes working out of the backfield as well. So a lot of familiar names with this team. The big question mark for them will definitely be the running back and some of the missing pieces on the offensive line. For the Laurier side of things, Connor Carousello was leading the way at quarterback. We saw him last year battling back and forth with Arndt for that starting spot. Looks like Carousello is the guy here. 34 for 48 attempts, 360 yards in the air, two touchdowns, one pick. Leading the way rushing for them, the guy that we've been seeing doing it for them for quite some time, Lavondre Gordon, 
15 attempts, 79 yards, no touchdowns on the game. But of course, a Western defense, regardless of who they're missing. And there's definitely some pieces that we're used to seeing wearing purple for them that aren't there anymore, especially in that linebacking core. Nonetheless, they're always going to be a tough team to run against. Expect Lavandre to have a good year as always. And catching those touchdowns for Caracelo, Bretton Hall had the great touchdown. He obviously had a great year last year with Curly Gittens gone. Now on the Argos, you know, opens up a lot of opportunities for some of these guys. So Dakota, I'll pass it over to you. You are our new Western alumnus for some <laughs> godforsaken reason. I always need a Mustang on this podcast. What was your take? Well, look, I'm as as you said, I'm from Western. Uh, I'll try and be as unbiased as possible, and it may come off me just critiquing them a little harder than than I should. Um, as you and I both know, Western starts off slow, whether that's in the game or in the season, and you could really tell that they they got. You mentioned they have new linebacker core, a lot of guys missing. They got three new guys at O line, and it was very noticeable. Mm. Uh, let up five sacks. Uh, Chris did not have a lot of time in the pocket. Um, big shout out to Alfred Green from Laurier. Hit up 2.5 sacks, three tackles for a loss, which is actually a career high for a season. He did that all in one game. So that's big for him in his fourth year. Um, and yeah, Trey Humes, Femi Cole, both putting up, uh, Femi Cole put up 35 yards on eight attempts. Trey Humes, 23 on eight attempts. I honestly expected a lot more from Trey Humes just watching him last year in the playoffs after you said, you know, Taylor and Joseph would go out. He'd come in, he'd still put up 100 yards. So I think offense's concern mainly should be that, that O-line. If Chris doesn't have time, he's going to have to scramble. Like you said, he's not afraid to, to move out of the pocket and, and take a hit, but he's really got to be able to sit in the pocket and throw 300 yards a game or that run game is going to suffer like it did this week. You also mentioned Gordon with 79 yards on the ground. I think that stat is a bit skewed. He had 40-plus in the first quarter. Right. And then Western's defense decided to be, you know, Western's defense and mm-hmm. kind of shut him out, and then they had to put it in the air. I think he will have a great season. I think they need to stick with him on the ground, though, if they want to see success in that in that area. So talking about Western's defense, obviously when we look at that, uh, that linebacking core, as we mentioned, the missing names, obviously, number one, it's Fraser Sopic. Yeah. Michael Moore, Philip Dion. That whole starting unit from last year, all gone. Still some familiar names on the defensive side for them. Andrew Thurston, still at defensive line for them, had a sack in the game. Bleska Kumbamba in the secondary, as well as Daniel Valente, also holding it down back there. So a lot of familiar names. What do you think it is with this team? Because I think it was last year, I think it was an overtime win versus Carlton, or a a close game, first week of the season. Like, What is it about this team that, that just takes them time to get going? Honestly, you know, they they like to they see a lot of talent with new guys. They bring a lot of new guys in, whether it's new as in second or third year and haven't really dressed or new as in fresh off. You mentioned Fraser Sopic. He came in as a rookie and started as a rookie, pretty much taking the reins. I know a different position, but Jesse McNair way back when came in as a rookie and really made a name for himself. So, you know, they're, they're testing the water there. The one thing I have noticed that has been consistent for the last three years and probably reason that they won, I think it was a real momentum changer for the game, was their special teams. Mm. Even being out of Western and watching them on TV for the last three years, it's it's hard to find a game where they're not going to go out there and block a punt. And they did that this game. Brett Ellerman, the should-be all-star receiver this year, was on special teams, scooped it up and scored in the end zone. But no, I think the linebacker core is, is going to figure it out sooner rather than later. I don't expect much of a little hiccup there. They're going to come out hard next game we'll get mm-hmm. into that later but it's just learning curve there's no there's a shorter camp this week they mentioned it 
across all the broadcast, shorter camp, no exhibition games. So it's just a matter of dust, uh, getting the rust off and going after it. Yeah. And for Laurier, defensive line play has always been a strong, always strong yeah. yeah, always strong for them. And you mentioned Green having a great game. Do you call is he has three sacks? Uh, two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why. Oh, yeah. Two and a half. But as well on that defensive line, you have now fifth year DT Trayvon James holding it down the middle. Sam Archimpong. So you got some veteran presence on this team as well. Will Amoa, I guess Sam or halfback position. I think he might have led the league in, in interceptions last year. He was up there. Yeah. And he had another one in this game as well. So a lot of veteran veterans in that. And obviously for Laurier, the way the OUA is that every loss is major. You know, yeah. there, there's few, there's so little room to to make mistakes now. But when you really look at this game, obviously going up against the you know now two-time Yates champs, two times in the Vanier. Haven't uh, lost in pretty much three years now. It, it pretty much, yeah. I think it's 23 straight games in OUA regular season yep, competition. September 4th, 2016. Against- Chris, Chris Merchant has never lost wearing, wearing the purple Mustang. That's terrifying to know. But obviously, you got to give them credit for putting up a good fight in this one against the champs. And especially coming off a year that was so damn mysterious. Like, going into last year, it was, all right, you're going to have Western and Laurier. And they were set up to play in week eight or week nine. It was, getting, it was all right, these teams are going to be going in, you know, maybe seven and zero apiece. Who's going to end up with the undefeated season? Who's going to end up in second place with the 7-1 record? Laurier ends up 4-4. Four and four missing the playoffs obviously a lot of close losses in that mix but i think this is a team that needs a bounce back year especially with their cross i mean not even cross town rival i mean more like a stone's throw rival in the waterloo warriors who have really come onto the scene scene strong so i'm really pulling for them to have a, a you know a bit of a bounce back year just for the i mean even if they're not making the playoffs even if they're the team that falls out still going to be a competitive year like like I said before, you know, we started anything. I was Laurie is my my dark horse, which sounds weird with the success that they've yeah. had in the last couple of years to say that Laurie is my dark horse. But I think they're making the playoffs. Um, you know, Waterloo is a strong team, but if they ever go head to head, I'm I'm taking Laurie on that nine times out of ten. Their their defense was was very strong, especially on the front end of that. I I'm giving Alfred Green all the credit with the two and a half sacks, but if you watch that game. Every single time he went down, there were two guys on him. He he tries to scramble out of two tackles, breaks two tackles, and another guy sacks him. So it's not just one guy in the backfield there. And I don't want to say it's entirely the new O-line's fault. You know, Western's O-line is always amazing. I got to give credit to, to Waterloo's linebacking core and, and D-line for really putting the Laurier. pressure on. Sorry, yeah, sorry, Laurier. <laughs> that's uh, my fumble there. Uh, their, their D-line core and their linebacker core mm. for really putting the pressure on Merchant. And I'd lo- I'm excited to see what they're going to do against uh, a weaker O-line in the coming weeks. And, well, I guess that'll transition us to next week for Laurier. They're going to face York in Toronto. That's one of the Monday Labor Day games. That'll be a 1 o'clock start for Western. They're also going to play on uh, the Monday, the 7.30 game. Queens rolling into town for Laurier, hopefully picking up that first win. Western probably keeping the ball rolling. Any last notes on that game? Uh, no, I think, you know, it was just a, a, a game of big plays. You know, we had the 71-yard touchdown for Laurier, 62-yard touchdown for Western, the block punt. I think even without the big plays, Western takes it. But yeah. Western started how we assumed they were going to start. They started slow, and I expect nothing but great things. Same thing with Laurier. It's going to be a great season for both teams. We kind of talked about this a bit the other day where I can see a path 
in you know the, the multiple possibilities that play out in this year where western finishes seven and one six and two let's say it's not, not it's not happening <laughs> well like i you know maybe it's not the most likely scenarios but i can see it happening and that, like once again with the amount of competition in the o this year if that can still net you a first place finish and i think you should still be happy with that but as you were quick to respond <laughs> we got to see it happen first someone's got to beat them and like you said it hasn't happened and almost two years now so you know un- until they we get got, no- we got majorities of the team that are are playing now for any OUA team that haven't seen western loss in their their university career you know they're going to third year right now and they yeah. haven't seen a, a western loss so you know it could happen i'm will never put my money against western until I, I see something big happen so on a slight deviation from the actual game just on a athlete to athlete mentality thing here going into play western if you're on, say, Queens going in next week, there's obviously the the huge daunting notion of, wow, we're playing a team that hasn't lost in almost two years. Holy smokes, like we're 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 doomed. Or there's often the mentality of, do we get to be the team to finally end that streak? I think it's it's a bad attitude to have in any sport going in and say, we're gonna lose. I think if you if you think that you've already lost, and I know that's really cheesy to say, but also <laughs> at least go in with we have nothing to lose. Mm. You know, if Queens isn't true, if Queens true. isn't expected to beat Western, they have nothing to lose. Yeah, if, yeah. if Queen puts up thirty points on Western, everyone's gonna start talking about Queens. And another side of that is it's Schneider's return to, to Western. You know, they they have that confidence of we have this new offense, we have this new this new head coach uh, who maybe knows a, f- a few things about Western. You know, Greg is notorious for changing his his offense for Western every single year, whether it's small tweaks or major tweaks. But mm. yeah, I think Queens has nothing to lose, and I think they're going to come in, come in and play a great game. Are they going to win? No, I don't think so. That's that's my call. It's also hot take. Hot. It's my that's my hot take, and this is my game of the week with Snyder <laughs> coming back in in the Queens Western rivalry, but. I think they're going to play a good game. I think they'll probably put up 17 points on Western, which is great for them. I think Western's defense and O-line can can actually be Western's defense and O-line. I think Western puts up 45-plus. Perfect. All right, well, with that being said, let's move on to the next one, and we'll take it to Guelph and Mac. Final score in this game, the McMaster Marauders, 25, Guelph Griffins, 10. Home opener on the season for Guelph, who, of course, as we all remember, made a appearance in the eights cup last year and that's all we'll say about that game it was amazing that they got there hey they had the great comeback win against ottawa in the semi so i mean we can remember that fondly and the win against waterloo in the quarterfinal action but nonetheless they were in the eights last year and starting the game off starting the season off at home with a very very disappointing loss leading the way for mac and i think this is going to be the biggest talking point for mac this season Andreas Duick went 28 for 37, 298 yards, one touchdown. And the big thing with Duick is we saw him last year platooning with Jackson White all year. White, who's now in London of all places. I didn't actually hear about that till recently. And, you know, I, I wrote an article on the website at the 55.ca. If you haven't found out about it yet, go check us out. We're going to do a lot of cool content on there. But <laughs> I wrote an article after this game. And I, I think a lot of times when there's, Competition can bring out the best of people, but also that just knowing that you are the guy and that calmness of mind that that can bring for a lot of guys, I'm sure is massive. You know, I, I, I probably depending on your personality, it can go both ways. That competition can fire you to become better, but I'm sure for a lot of people, like I said, 
that it can be good just to know that you are the guy. And from what we saw in this game, obviously with the combination of the return of Steph Patask as well, that this offense looks good. And Mac last year, I mean, made the playoffs, lost to Carlton in the first round, had to travel to Ottawa for that game. Their defense was great. Their defense has been solid for a while. It was a Greg Knox team. The defense is going to be good. But the offense was, I think, close to the bottom of the OUA. I think it was like just above like U of T last year or something like that. So clearly they're putting the pieces together. A lot of names that were on that team last year. So they're gelling. And, you know, the resurgence of Steph Potastic is really bringing this game together. Some of the other guys we saw contribute for Mac in this one. Your boy, Justice Allen, in the backfield for them. Six attempts, six carries, that is, 49 yards. Andreas Duick running the ball a little bit as well. Tavian Shand, rookie out of Kitchener for them. Didn't know about him until watching this game. He looked pretty sharp in it, in the in the game. A name, a guy that was missing for people who have been watching or following Mac for a little while would be Jordan Lyons, consummate OUA all-star, big bruising back guy who can who's been up there i think he was second or third in the in the the league last year in yards from what i understand a little dinged up but shouldn't be too too bad so obviously when that when he comes back into the fold just more weapons receiving core guys like tommy neal tyson middlemost xander tachinski justice allen we've obviously seen him come out of the backfield you know really contributing so a lot of weapons on this team and they're still going to get stronger and still going to get gel even more obviously new system in there with Steph coming back. But the game started off well. It looked like it was going to start off well for Guelph. Yeah, you said, you know, the, the season started off poorly, as you as you said, but the game started off great. Uh, pretty much as good as it could start. I'm happy to see a couple guys that I've coached in the past. You were saying justice before that. You know, I Clark Barnes, rookie yeah. out of Clarkson Secondary Prep School there, takes the opening kickoff to the house. Like, that's yeah. that's got to be the greatest feeling ever. You know, this is your first your first taste of, of college football, and he pretty much went untouched. You know, he showed off his speed. He showed off his agility as, as a special teams coordinator for the school there. I also had him return a couple of kicks to the house. So Clark, I'm gonna take a little bit of credit on that. Sorry. <laughs> you know, you're probably not going to listen anyway, but um, yeah, no, they started off great. And, and on the Mac side of things, you were mentioning, you know, it's, it's good to have competition and brings on the best in you, but it's also good to have that security. And I definitely agree. You know, when you're neck and neck with a quarterback or even a receiver and you, say you know you make a one bad play now you're in your head mm. you know if you have that confidence that okay i'm i'm the man i made yeah. one bad play i'm back at it that's how you really get the offense rolling but if you're in your head oh i could be replaced at any time now you start to panic you're not you're not playing the game that you're designed to play so i think i think the mac offense is going to be great when lions comes back it's kind of with 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 lions and allen it's going to be that smash and dash mm. he he is that power back justice stop hurtling people first of all <laughs> um <laughs> He's, he's got great speed, great agility, and the real threat that he has, and he'll hate me for saying this, is that he is a threat out of the backfield to catch the ball and take it 90 yards. Yeah. You know, you you can fill the box, and he'll just do a little flare out there, and he's gone. So they're going to be an, an offense. Are you allowed to have more than one dark horse? I know I feel like this is, <laughs> this is your dark horse of the season, but their offense is definitely going to do something special this year, yeah. especially out of the backfield. Obviously, we know Lions pounds the rock as good as anybody, but talking about Justice Allen's ability to receive the ball out of the backfield... Lines is another threat as well. So, I mean, I can only imagine, like, I can't wait to see what Patasic comes up with because he has so many weapons yeah. at his disposal. Duick looks like he's legit threat in this league. We saw a lot of positive signs from him last year towards the end of the year when he really started to take control and become the guy. This looks like, like I said, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Can I call, is Mac even a, well, if you're allowed to call Laurier a dark yeah, horse, I, I guess I'm allowed to call, to call Mac a dark horse. Yeah. We're putting our stamps on our dark horses this year. Um, 
even though they shouldn't be dark horses. I got Laurie, he's got Mac. Yeah. Going to the Guelph side of things, so you mentioned Clark Barnes, almost untouched. One pretty nasty spin move in there to to take it to the house, but only only major score for Guelph in the game. And this is a team where you have Ryan Sheehan coming in from Calgary, and everyone knows what he's been able to do out there, especially particularly on the offensive side of the ball. And you have Theo Landers still at quarterback who's shown that he has all the talent in the world. Everyone can just think back to two years ago when he went to East-West. And if I'm remembering correct, he led the game in passing and rushing yards. And he's shown in in stints that he can be dominant on both sides of those. There there were some things missing. The the backfield, they were missing uh, J.P. Simonkinda. They were missing... Juwan Jeffries, they're missing Kwame Yossi, their their three-headed monster rookie recruiting class they brought in last year at running back. All three of those guys were out. Obviously, that's going to be a devastating loss. And my boy, Eric Ziggy Starcella, the tackle that got drafted in the CFL, came back for his last year. He went out with an injury. So obviously, the running game is going to take a hit. But as far as the receivers go, like he still has weapons. I mean, Kean Schaefer-Baker, you know, we've seen when he's been in games. He can be deadly. You know, he's got nasty hands. Zeph Frazier's been a constant for them. And then Abdel Rahim, a, a, I don't know if he's a rookie, but a new receiver on their team as well, seeing some really good things from them. So just offensively, it's just it's disappointing because, yeah, there's guys missing, and I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I, I think just in conjunction with the fact that, as we kind of mentioned in the Western Laurier breakdown, there's not much room for mistake, and you're starting off the game at home. You're kind of given this gift of a opening kickoff TD return by your rookie receiver. Ah, it's just, it's really frustrating. I'm sure a lot of it is just, you know, my Guelph roots showing. And I know they'll get better. 100% they will. It's just really tough when you just see the talent there and it just, it just doesn't click on the day. No, I definitely agree. And hey, have have the bias you want to have. You know, I'm I'm definitely <laughs> gonna have a bias with Western, even though it's well deserved. Um, and yeah, you mentioned they had a gr- great talent on offense. I also, you know, I want to mention again, Clark Barnes is is a talented receiver. He's got amazing athletic prowess up with the best of them. But like you said, there's not a lot of room for error. You know, is is Guelph gonna be better than Laurier? I don't think so. They're gonna be better than better than Western. No, better than Mac. We, we just showed it that it's no. They don't have a lot of stumbles left. You know, they got to really come out in the next game and, and show that they deserve to be in the OUA. OUA has skyrocketed in talent in the last five years. Oh, it's, for sure. It's now the powerhouse that used to be out there in, in the queue, but it's OUA is going to be the powerhouse this year. Yeah, and not to leave out the defensive side of the ball, because for Mac, obviously, as we mentioned, offense was, well, it was an issue for them last year, but defense, that was consistent all the way through, and a lot of returning players, guys like... Nolan Putt, Mitch Garland, Enoch on the defensive line for there, Mitch Lyons, Noah Hallett, a lot of familiar names if you've been watching Mac for a little bit now. So that defensive side of the ball, you know, is going to be solid. So for Potasic, he gets to just focus in on that offense and just, like we said, so many tools. Cannot wait to see what he can do with all that. So, you know, for Guelph, it's going to get better. It has to get better, but they have a tough road ahead. I mean, next week, they're making the trip down to Ottawa take on Carlton um you know never never easy when you have to make that six seven hour road trip to then play a very capable team like the Ravens but you know not not to look too far ahead they got Carlton then they're home for York then they're on the road against Waterloo then they're back home week five for the Yates Cup rematch against Western and whether it's 
likely or not, there is definitely a path that leads them to being one and three going into that game. I'm not necessarily betting on it. I give them absolute fighting chances against Carlton and Waterloo. Carlton, I don't. They didn't play Carlton last year. Waterloo, obviously, we saw them win, beat them last game of the season, double overtime showdown, and then in the first round of playoffs. But we all know what Waterloo can do. So for Guelph, like we said next week going into Carlton for Mac. They're getting their home opener with Ottawa's first game of the season. We'll finally see how the GGs are looking this year, which I'm so excited for. And you're kind of, you know, no, you know, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to say anything against Ottawa. I know a couple guys out there, but Ottawa is always for me uh, a borderline team for for every single season. They they had a great season last year, but I just don't think they have any great consistency. And I, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for that. <laughs> but especially if we're if we're talking Ottawa versus Mac, you got. Ottawa coming off a, f- a first week bye, which is always the toughest. You don't have any exhibition games. You have a short camp. You can say you can also look at that saying we have extra practice. Mac has the rust taken off. You know, yeah. Max Max great. If Lions is back, you, you got it. You got a team that has already got a win on the road. Their their players are good. They're ready to keep playing. Then you got a team that's got to make the trip down. I don't care if you come in a day before. It's yeah. it's a heck of a trip. And then it's the home over for Mac. You know whether school's in or not. Mac is going to come and show out. And I, I don't, I don't have Ottawa in in the Battle of the Maroon. I don't have Ottawa really standing much of a chance. I'm going to get a lot of hate on it, but it's not technically Battle of Maroon. Uh, Ottawa is Garnet and Gray. You unsophisticated swine, you. So respect Look, the Garnet. You know what? They're they're knockoff horses anyway. Right? The true horse <laughs> is the Mustang. So okay, okay. Well, we'll see how they do down in Mac. And you know what? Real quick, since you brought Western up and talking about teams either traveling to Ottawa or Ottawa traveling to other teams across Ontario, how in hell does Western not have to go to Ottawa once this year? <laughs> they play both. They play both Carlton and Ottawa, both at TD. Um, because the league saw how much Western kind of struggles when they go and they play Carlton. So <laughs> they they really want to keep the favor for, you know, the undefeated team. And they said, no, bring them both down. They they deserve to, to have their rest. But no, that's that's the thing. That's, that's you know, we had Western that had the toughest schedule, but you really got to account for the fact that they don't travel to Ottawa. Yeah. And I think, I do think that's unfair. I want to be the Western guy as much as I can, but I do think that's unfair. You know, you got to make the trip at least once. And that's going to be a huge advantage because it is tough no matter how prepared you are no matter if you come the day before it's still a tough trip to sit on that bus for you know that's nine hours carlton ottawa to london that's about nine hours depends Mm. how fast your bus driver really wants to go but it's a tough trip yeah and i mean as far as like strength of schedule goes if it was really western having the hardest schedule that would have to involve them playing themselves somehow as the best team in yeah. the league. So that's obviously a possibility that hey, they got pra- they got to practice against <laughs> their own team every single week. So yeah, yeah, arguably that's a harder task than playing U of T some years. But Ooh, uh, <laughs> we'll get into that. We'll get into some hot takes. <laughs> so like we said, Mac returning home to take on the GGs, Guelph traveling to Ottawa to take on Carlton, and the Carlton and Queens game is where we'll head to next. Final score in this game: Carlton eighteen, Queens twelve. The game was in Kingston couple of big things going into this game. A lot of, well, a lot of question marks. Let's start on the Carlton side of things. Because this was a team that, you know, as we, we talked about with Mac, ton of weapons on offense. And as we'll just see going through so many of these, these teams, as we've mentioned it a few times now, there's just so much talent in general in the OUA. 
But on the Carlton side of the ball, you have Nathan Carter returning, running the ball for them, put up 104 yards again. I mean, 100-yard outings from this guy, we've just come to expect. I don't think, uh, yeah, just one reception, but obviously we've seen him as a threat out of the backfield too. Their receiving core, which I think arguably, probably with the GGs, you can make the case one of those two is the most deadliest receiving core in the league. For Carlton, it's Quentin Soares back. Phil Aloki, Chad Menchelenko, all deadly. You had Soares with 63 and one touchdown. Aloki with 59 yards on two receptions. Menchelenko, two returns, or two uh, receptions, 49 yards. But the big question is, who's getting them that ball? Because as we saw last year, it was Aruda at quarterback. And we saw he's a very talented guy. He's got a big arm and he can actually, he's a little mobile too. But he ain't back this year. So this year they're going with Tanner DeJong. Went 13 for 18 on the game. 214 yards, one touchdown. Looked solid in the first outing out there. It's going to be a big question mark because, you know, especially when you have so much talent, like obviously all you need to do to get the ball to Carter is just hand the ball off to him, throw him a couple screens. But you have some legit receivers out there, and it's going to be such a disappointment if he just can't get them the ball. You hate to see that talent go wasted. So that's going to be a big question mark for them on the offensive side of the ball. How good can Tanner be? On the Queen side of things, this is a young team, or specifically, this is a very young offense. New coaching staff, you mentioned already. It's Snyder going in there as the new head coach. And at quarterback, it's James Keenan in there. He went 17 for 28, 123 yards, one touchdown. Numbers that aren't going to really stand out all that much, but it was really the fourth quarter that stood out with them trailing at the time 15 to 9. He led a nice comeback, which started by a blocked field goal Queens got on Carlton. And just showing a lot of promise, not just throwing the ball, but just awareness in the pocket, being able to scramble, get out of trouble, uh, find the open man. And what was really, really good, and uh, you can probably speak to this better than I can, I imagine this, this is the Snyder effect. But for a young offense, late in that game running that two-minute drill, looked really calm, really poised. And obviously that can trickle down. If that's your coach's perspective, if that's the way your coach kind of you know teaches things and, and can help control that, that's that's a beautiful thing. But really impressive to see. So despite taking the loss in the game, I think Queens showed a lot of promising things in this one. I definitely agree. I honestly, as great as Carlton's defense is, I expected a little more out of the Queens offense. Obviously, this is their first year with Schneider at the helm. You know, like you said, a, a really young offense. No, I, I expected more from them. I'm sure we're going to see, you know, a couple great things. And you were mentioning that, you know, the poise in the last couple minutes, I think we were speaking before about how when Shire came in, he kind of redeveloped the camp. I can't speak too much to his effect. I've, I've only, you know, I've watched him when he was coaching at St. Effects and obviously in that great Vanier run with Western. But I think, you know, having a new coach that comes in and starts taking it as as serious as you can without just, you know, yelling at players. But you were saying how it's a kind of a professional environment this year. So if if you really get that young talent to buy in at an early stage, which mm-hmm. it looks like they are, it, it, it could be great things. Maybe not this year, maybe not next week, but, you know, he's, he's, he's there for the long run, and I'm sure this young offense is as well. And it's nice when you see a young offense sort of line up with a new coaching staff. Because, A, when it's an established, say it's a, established quarterback I mean obviously Hobbs has been at the helm for them for the four or five years he was there under uh, the older Sheehan and obviously when you bring in new coaches with an established quarterback sometimes 
you know, maybe a bit of hard to teach a, an old dog new tricks. But when you have young players with new coaches, you build that culture, you build that continuity together. And like you said, might not be next week, might not be this year. There's, I, I love dropping this quote that Stu Lang used to tell us where the progression of, of a championship team, it starts where if you're in a position where maybe you're, you're losing games and you're losing them bad. And then as you build and you start to grow as a team, maybe you still lose games, but you start to lose them small. Then after a while, you start to win small and then you start to win big and it gets to that point where you become, you know, the best version of your team. And so I love the continuity and the timeline of the coaching staff and the players on the offense. For Carlton, obviously spoke a lot about the offensive side of the ball. I love the pieces that they have there. But for this team, defensively, they as you mentioned, are very stout. And, you know, with the the loss of Onyeka, who, I mean, you can speak about him for, you know, till the cows come home, how dominant he was at defensive end, this linebacking core, for me, has got to be the strongest in the OUA. You got to start with Jack Kasser in the middle. Then you got Josh Walsh. And, of course, Trevor Hoyt playing that Sam position in and out of the box, had to sack himself on the game also had a dropped what I'm certain would have been a pick six late in the game that would have just put the nail in the coffin and put to bed any chance of Queens making a comeback but just such a strong core they have there in the middle in terms of the defensive line like I said they lose on Yekka but of course they still have Shaheen Charles Brown they still have Tevin Bowen a lot of just you know familiar names on this team that it's gonna be tough like the, the amount of weapons that this team has I mean it seems like the story of Carlton for for some years now has been talent for talent, one of the top teams in the league. But whether it's just a tough matchup come playoffs, or I don't know, just it it's just it seems like it's always been tough for this team to just put it together, which is frustrating because like kind of like I said with Guelph, when a team has the talent and talent that's proven itself over some years, you want to see it pay dividends. Like you're saying Carlton, I'm, I'm just looking at the stats right now. They're, they're three linebackers combining for two sacks and 25 total tackles is, is scary. Is, is, is scary. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, I've, I've seen it and I, and I hate to admit it, but yeah, when we were mentioning before, Western goes up there and that's their, their last loss was to Carlton. Okay, like in, and yeah, these are our new guys, but it's, you know, that, that defense has always kind of been solid. It's just really a matter of, can this offense get together and actually produce something? You're saying, you know, not a lot of confidence in, in that quarterback situation of getting people the ball. They, you got to have people step up to the plate. That defense is going to be there, but when it comes down to week seven, week eight, you know, knock on wood, injuries happen or people are watching film on you, especially you get teams like Western and Mac who are going to be heavy run teams later in the season, it's going to take a toll on these linebackers. And if they can stay healthy and keep up, their defense is going to be great. But that offense has to step up if they want to see any success whatsoever. No doubt. And, you know, sticking with defense, got to give Queens some love. Uh, we've seen a couple returning players. Curtis Schaefer at linebacker as well. Six and a half tackles on the day. Uh, one tackle for loss. But, of course, you know, we talk about their defense. It's Cam Lawson in the middle on that defensive line. Second, I believe second team OEA All-Star last year. You know, back to his old tricks, had a sack in this game, had another sack that I think got called. I think he was penalized for being offside, but like still showing all the you know, all the tools he has. Uh absolutely deadly defensive lineman. 
but still overall a, a young defense a young team in general young coaches this is going to be a fun team to, to keep an eye on in the next coming years and you know we, we both kind of said it might not happen this year we could see them probably stealing a couple games this year who knows with how competitive the league is this year i i'm not gonna bet on them stealing a playoff spot no i don't i don't think that's gonna happen and you'll probably hear it a lot this season me saying i'm gonna put my bias aside it's (laughs) queens you know i never i wish nothing but poor things for queens but they're no yeah this year they're not gonna do a lot i don't think yeah they might steal a couple games but i i would watch out for them if they can keep their group together they can keep uh you know schneider on board and not have him move around anywhere watch out maybe not this year maybe not next year but three or four years when these when this young offense develops they're they're going to be trouble 100 percent. and they have a platoon of running backs they've been using puskis as the go-to guy we saw last year him producing a good bit for for them uh looked like he got a little dinged up in this one but he seemed like he was all right tristan kuchar we saw uh produce for them last year as well uh, Marquise Richards, I know we saw run the ball with him for the game just listed uh, as having two receptions. So there's a lot of different weapons on the offense. As far as the receiving core goes, a couple returning guys there. Richard Burton, Ben Arhan, definitely saw last year. Losing Chris Osikusi to Windsor, you know, more power more power to, to Osikusi because from what I understand, he's pursuing his degree in law uh, while playing for, for Windsor. So, like, that's that's badass. Yeah. But obviously that's a big loss for them too in the receiving core. But if, if anything... Perhaps just not having a true go-to guy star that maybe might demand the ball a bit more. Like not saying anything specifically about him. I don't know him <laughs> personally, but just being able to say, hey, let's just spread the ball around. We got a young quarterback. He can build his rapport with all these guys, kind of figure out where, you know, who he likes and what situations, as opposed to feeling like I gotta get the ball to to one guy. You know, same in the backfield. Puskis is probably gonna get the bulk of the work for them they're going to be able to rotate guys in. You kind of get a feel for almost offense by committee. And in a way that can maybe make them difficult to game plan for when you have so many different guys that you can rotate in. Yeah, no, and especially just touching on the quarterback and just just having the young quarterback there. And a lot of things people don't really consider, and I can can vouch for this both in the pros and the cons side of thing, if, you know, you have to, as a receiver or even a, a running back, develop that relationship with the quarterback. I don't care how talented you are. If your quarterback doesn't trust that you're going to catch the ball or or make a play, he's not going to give it to you. I don't care if you're the first read, second read, third read. He's just not going to look your way. So you just got to look for them to really – and that's going to come in practice. That's going to come in practice and off the field, just them being together as, as a team. Once those relationships are developed, look for them to do something. But until that happens, they got to rely on their defense to win any game. 100%. So we've already mentioned the next week game for both these teams. Carlton going home to take on Guelph. Queens getting on the bus, traveling to London uh, to take on your Mustangs. Should be good games for both of them. I mean, maybe that Queens Western game, maybe not the most competitive, but as you already Still you are, my game of the week. You already laid out some of the really compelling storylines in that one, obviously. So we'll see what kind of a fight they can put up. Yeah, Carlton and Guelph, that's going to be a really good matchup. And yeah, with that, let's move on to your pick of game of the week from week one, Toronto-Waterloo. Yeah, you know, if if you had, had told me before that I would be picking a U of T Waterloo as my game of the week, I would have laughed you out of the studio. This <laughs> is, and especially if you'd said that U of T was going to end the week with the most offensive yards. I'll be honest here, I, was, I, I watched the game uh, from home and I thought I was just going to turn it off. The, the, the start was brutal for U of T, putting it lightly. I wasn't 
overly ecstatic about it. And I, I expected more from Ford, not not Tyrell. Tyrell had a great game, 80-yard touchdown return and a pick. Almost took it to the house as well. But uh, from Trey, he wasn't showing his, his MVP status mm. to start off. I'm not saying he didn't end the game well, but made a couple couple big mistakes that ended up in picks. And as the commentators were saying, you watch him carry the ball, he's carrying it like he's still going to throw it downfield even after he's 20 yards past the line of scrimmage. That cost him. That was a costly fumble. But yeah, no, what did you what did you think? I don't know if, how much you caught of that game, but I got lots to say about it. So <laughs> I'll let you step in before I take over. No, no. I mean, it, it was a pleasure be, uh, being able to see U of T just competitive in a game. I was saying this with, and I was saying this to you, I was saying it with Brandon, uh, our other new member, Tata55, Brandon Mackey, former UFT defensive lineman, how UFT might go 0-8 again this year, or they might go 1-7. But kind of to that point about the way a team progresses, if they're just you know somewhat competitive in those games, losing close like they did in this ball game, falling 33-30, to like who would have seen that coming in this game? Against Waterloo, which, you know, we saw Waterloo last year. Obviously, the offense was just absolutely mind-bogglingly good. I mean, Trey Ford, Tyler Ternowski, the running game with Pellerin, just fantastic. Gordon Lamb, unreal. But we did see that defensively, that would be a bit of a problem for them. And they're arguably their top defensive player, linebacker, Hinsberger, OUA Rookie of the Year from last year, I think it's Torres Achilles or some kind of season-ending injury. So that's a massive loss to them. And so from the Toronto side of things, a couple points I'll, I'll just bring up. Clay Sakira, wonderful talent at quarterback. And when he was healthy last year, we saw he could do these types of things. I mean, I'm he out-Trey Ford to Trey Ford in this game, moving the ball with his feet, moving it through the air, Four passing touchdowns when UFT only had six all of last year. Like, I mean, obviously that's a low bar to jump over, but, but still a bar. You know, that's still hundred percent. Then you have to bake into the account the fact that well, is this Waterloo defense like what what's happening? Is, is Toronto taking a step forward, or is this really showing that that Waterloo defense is lacking quite a bit? So obviously we're gonna you know, these things are gonna unfold as the season goes along, and we mentioned Trey Ford kind of not being quite what we saw from him last year. You know, we talk about UFT getting four passing touchdowns when they only had six last year. Ford threw two picks this game when he only threw two picks all of last year, and I I don't want to be making a mountain out of a molehill week one or anything like this. When you have the type of production and the type of season he had last year. It might just be a slight regression to the mean. I mean, if he put that up, those numbers up again, I mean, that would have been just ridiculous to see happen. And then you also have to take into account that he had his boy Tyler Ternowski wide open in the end zone, hit him in the hands. Rough drop for Ternowski. I mean, no one's going to doubt how talented that guy is, but almost as a product of how good we know he is, that almost makes you almost more... You're expecting a little more on, the, on a play like that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of great things in this game. I mean, I'm hoping this game is more indicative that U of T is taking a step forward. We know Waterloo had some problems defensively last year, and they lost Hinsberger, so we know that's going to affect them. The offense is going to be there for them. And, you know, we, we saw last year that the running game seemed to take a bit of time for them, but out the jump, Pellerin, 17 attempts. 
113 yards on the ground with one touchdown. We saw Mets getting a couple carries. Obviously, Trey Ford's going to do it with his feet with the best of them. But like I said, Clay Secure out Trey Fording Trey Ford. Clay went 29 of 50, 471 yards in the air, four TDs, one INT. Trey Ford, 24 for 36, 320, pardon me, 225 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Clay Secure, six rushes for 71 yards. Trey Ford, eight rushes for 83 yards. So, you know, obviously in the air, Secura truly outdueling him. Ford a little bit better on the ground. But the last point I'll say with, with this game before I, you know, let you let you take off because I know you've been so excited to talk about this game is we saw Secura get hurt last year and it was a bit of a fluke injury. But th- this offensive line for them looks like it's going to be a problem. And it was a problem for them last year. And obviously bringing Coach Irvin to do the offense, everyone knows him from doing the offensive line at Laurier for all those years. Hopefully that impact will affect their offensive line positively. But it just, it it makes me cringe thinking about another season where we talked about his yards on the ground, 71 on the ground. Some of those were a product of that pocket collapsed and he had to make something out of nothing. And other times, too, where, you know, you could probably say that he was maybe hearing footsteps earlier than he had to and was trying to escape. And, yeah, sometimes you put that on the quarterback, but sometimes you say, well, you know what? If he's been getting pressure in his face all day, he's going to be a little more antsy at saying. Get out of that pocket. 100%. So it would just, given, given what we saw in this game and just my hoping upon everything that this is indicative that U of T will be competitive this year in some games, even if they go 0-8. I just hope Sakira stays healthy. Because for the, for their sake and just for the pure entertainment of watching. 100%. Well, we never, you know, not claiming you, but we never wish injury upon anyone. So what we want him to stay healthy just for the fact that he's going to stay healthy. But of also, course, yeah. watching, watching this offense again, I never in a million years would think that I would be excited to watch a, a U of T offensive game. Um, but what I really loved about it was yeah, there were some big touchdowns, uh, some some long touchdowns, but the way they marched down the field was consistent routes. You know, they got the outs, they got the over the middles, they got receivers who can catch the ball, maybe get an extra couple yards, but also just securing the catch. What I like about their receiving core, you know, you have Michael Lehman, you have Nolan Lovegrove, you have Stadnick. The lowest receiver of those three had 91 yards and two yeah. touchdowns, and that was on, on three catches. They're all the same kind of stature. They all have that same kind of speed, quickness, in and out of routes, ability. And what we're really not talking about here, and again, this might be my bias showing, but Daniel Diodati, third-year receiver, not active for this game. Mm. He's he's a huge threat to break any inside-out route for a huge 80-yard score. But you have you have three receivers pretty much gain 100 yards, which means how are you going to cover three of those? You and know? you know, mentioning Diodati as well, we saw last year how you know how effective he is in the return game as well. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's huge. They had. Um, I'm, I'm going to blank on this as either Williams or Washington back there. Not that he had a poor game returning, but D. Dottie does have that that next level. Yeah. Of, I want to say a faster Julian Edelman type <laughs> okay, return okay. game. Rookie, right. rookie, rookie style. <laughs> um, I think as long as U of T can really stick to their their passing game, these 12-yard catches yeah. here and there, they're, they're going to be trouble. And I don't it, – it, like you're saying, it's hard to tell if, you know, is U of T for real – in, in a sense, for real, as in a, a, a two as and for six, real as they can be, as in like a two and six team, or is it that would be amazing? I would be <laughs> so happy. I would buy all kinds of UFT Blues gears if if that's what happened. <laughs> or is it Waterloo's defense? I I don't want to take anything away from the way UFT 
was so composed marching down the field. Yeah. Uh, you had Nolan Lovegrove go out for, for two two plays or something like that near the end, and Michael Lame is stepping up and, and making those big catches. And it's the same kind of thing where did Ford really, you know, not control the offense and play poorly with those two picks and that one fumble? The, the stats that we got here with him throwing for, for what, 200-plus yards, 225 yards and 83 on the ground, he ran, there was one play he ran for six yards, but he ran for six yard gain, sorry, and sixty yards total. He broke two D lineman tackles, a linebacker. He's still has the potential. Like I wouldn't mm-hmm. count him out of that MVP race just because of this one bad game. And 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 completely. And the same way that in talking about Turnowski and saying that a drop for him is worse just because of the bar we set. Darn near any other quarterback in the OUA, or arguably even all of Canada, puts up the stats that Trey Ford put up today, and you're very happy with that. Yeah, no, I think like, we're, we're, a, setting, we're setting the bar we, high. But absolutely. It, it should be high because, you know, this season, the season they both had last year, yeah. Jonski and Ford, I think, why are we going to bring down the bar? I think they, they'd be mad at us if they even knew us and we yeah. brought down that bar. And, you know, we've mentioned with Carlton, we've mentioned with Guelph already, teams that have talent that haven't been able to fully put together. We saw the 4-4 four and four season from Waterloo in 2017, and that was – you know, very much a pleasant surprise. And then last year, coming out of the gate on fire, that great matchup with Windsor week one, we saw a lot of games, a lot of close losses there as well. And then, of course, getting bounced in the first round. It's getting to a point for Waterloo where you're saying, okay, you're really fun to watch. This is such an explosive offense. When is it all going to come together? You, like, you got to make a Yates Cup run, like, soon. Because as well... This is going to be Turnowski's draft year. And yeah. whether he sticks or not, we'll find out come the spring. But, you know, the window's only going to be open for so long, especially when your offense is predicated on having two absolute stud receivers in Turnowski and Lamb, last year's MVP at quarterback. So, it, I mean, it's just the, these, these windows, you know, much like the metaphor gets used in terms of the passing game in football, they can be open for such short time. Yeah, especially when, you know, players could be gone after three, four years. It's it's the same with NCAA where, you know, the turnover when, with players is is so quick. Some teams are, are blessed, and I'll, I'll mention them again, you'll hate me, but like Western to get guys that come in and kind of fill these roles. But yeah, Waterloo in three years, if they don't make a, a run, they could be back to their old ways of, of two and six. And I think what's really missing that I notice is Pellerin had a, a great game. I thought, I thought he had a fantastic game. 50 yards in the air and 113 on the ground. Um, Janowski, also great. Ford, great. They're they're missing something on offense for that 12 to 15-yard pass range. You know, they mm. got that deep threat, and they got the out-of-the-backfield run or threat, but they're missing something there. And honestly, this needs to be a huge, huge wake-up call because I think they need to go back, and whether they want to rag on UFT for being UFT, they put up points on you. They put up points on your defense, and they, they came back and almost won that yeah. game. That the defense needs to do something. Definitely. It's not doing anything, especially in that fourth quarter. It was kind of embarrassing. And last few things on the UFT side of things. I don't know if you mentioned uh, the game by Will Corby at receiver for UFT, looking like big bro Doug Corby from Queens a few years back, having a pretty good game as well. Four receptions, seventy-two yards, one touchdown as well. And as you know, obviously, what made this game so compelling. And I personally just I, I like the Carlton. Queen's game for game of the week. Both just incredible uh, finishes to them. A big thing for UFT here was 
executing a beautiful two-minute drill oh, yeah. down the stretch to bring it close. And another thing in terms of things that can you know very easily alter statistics is the second and last touchdown for or the second touchdown by Nick Stadnick and last touchdown UFT scored to bring it so close. You know, Waterloo brought pressure, and obviously when you bring pressure, you're going to leave the back end a little bit more exposed, but it definitely looked like a bit of a blown coverage situation. Like, he was... It didn't seem like there was anyone within 10 yards of him when he caught the ball. Yeah, Waterloo's not coming out here bringing, you know, a field goal block in Madden. You're still expecting your DB to cut their <laughs> guys, you know, if they have their zone. But yeah, he was open. I would be... It was generous to say he only had 15 yards of free space. Like, he he had half a field yeah. with no one near him. Um, and yeah, you can say it's a blown coverage, but then you got to say, why are you, why, what, why are you blowing that coverage? And it all comes back to this issue that we're having with the defense that we've had since last year as well. So once again, it's, it's week one and it's, it's so easy to get fired up and to project these things into the grand scheme of things when, you know, we have no idea how things will break down, but it's a short season and there's a lot of competitive teams. And like we saw last year. Four and four might not get you into the playoffs. Yeah. Or last year, four and four didn't get Laurie into the playoffs, right? And there's just a lot of teams that are going to be vying for that sort of second through six spot in the playoff range. And, you know, we, we, we go through these teams like Carlton, Guelph, Waterloo, Laurier, Mac, Ottawa, arguably throw Queens in the mix there. Teams where one of those teams is not going to make the playoffs, right? And so you just you, there there's little room for error and if things need to get fixed or, or tinkered, it's got to happen quick. Yeah, 100%. So taking a look into the week ahead, we have Waterloo on the bye. So we'll see how they can I think know. I think they'll they'll have, you know, they're they're definitely not going to lose this week. <laughs> Waterloo's not going to lose this week. And we have Toronto Coming, coming home for a Sunday night matchup with Windsor, which uh, I think a few members of the team, uh, our team that is, are are thinking this is this is uh, this might be the one they take. Look, I, I know you had you had the Queens game as your as your game of the week, and I don't want to say the UFT game was a game of the week. Definitely the fourth quarter of the week. I'll be honest, I was texting you a bunch saying this game's <laughs> over, it's boring, and then suddenly you get a bunch of texts from me saying no, 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 yeah, no, yeah, they're they're yeah. coming back. I'll be at that game. Just, uh, you know, I've coached a few players there. Michael Lehman, Sam Conte, Daniel Diodati. Chris, Chris, you got to start punting. Get this starting spot. And I'm I'm putting my stamp on this. Is, I don't know if you want to call it an upset, but I'm saying upset of the week here. UFT is going to take the win, 100%. I'll be at that game, so if you if you think I'm wrong, come over and see me. You can make fun of me all you want, but I think UFT is going to take this win here. And you know what? This kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with a lot of what this podcast and, and what the website is aiming to do to put more focus on this league. If you're in Toronto, if you if you live in the city, if you're if you're around the city, come out to that game, man. Long weekend, Sunday night, Varsity Stadium. That's one of my favorite places to watch a football game. I don't care what level it is. It's just a beautiful, beautiful field. It's gonna be nighttime. You know, maybe bring a blanket if it gets a little cool. Hang out, have a great time. Watch these two teams battle at. You know what? Uh, if you if you DM us on Twitter or Instagram. I'll, I'll buy a ticket for somebody. If you have nothing to do on Sunday and you are, are that cheap that you don't want to get a $10 ticket, I will buy you a ticket. Come watch this game. Support some local talent. That's the, the hardest thing that I find with, with York and U of T is that they can never recruit 
because there's so much to do in the city that no one wants to go play football in the city. That's mm. why Hamilton and London, small towns but not quite too small, always get the great talent. Yeah, big cities will always struggle. So come out and support the team. You know they're not my team, but I'll I'll get one of our one of our great listens, our AWLs to I'll get them a free ticket. <laughs> and the last uh you know last thing I can't I can't not mention this guy when we talk UFT football before we uh, move on to the next game, our last game of the week. Malcolm Campbell, defensive end for UFT. We saw last year just how deadly he was. I believe I, I, I forget, he got drafted. I forget where he went for went to camp, but you could see it. And, and Brandon was talking ad nauseum about this, just how big he got from last year to this year. One sack, two tackles for loss. I'm pretty sure the two tackles for loss includes the sack, but four tackles total on the game. And just another guy that let's hope that this UFT thing is for real. And this is going to be a, an enjoyable team to watch. But whether it is or isn't, this is a guy number four, Campbell for UFT, that you just got to be watching every time you tune in. Malcolm Campbell is a legitimate stud and a guy who's going to be terrorizing offensive lines this year. No doubt about it in my mind. Like I said, whether they are le- are actually legit, putting up a few wins or at least a win, Campbell's a guy you got to watch. So with that being said, let's move on to the last game of week one, York Lions at Windsor. Final score in this game, the Windsor Lancers 34, York Lions 17. Game was in Windsor, and this game marks the beginning of the Cercelli takeover in Windsor. Dakota, our resident Western expert, what are you thinking about the move? You know, well, they brought the whole family over there, and I think it, it it's good good for good for the coaches, good for the team as well to kind of have that fresh start. You know, I don't want to say that, you know, Western pumps out great coaches. I just want to say that, you know, they have a good job at getting the coaches, and then when they get their opportunity, they go somewhere else. We see with, you know, Bertoia and Waterloo, how he, again, all credit to the players as well, but really kind of turned that program around from the bottom up. You know, we might not see them do anything crazy this year, but I'd expect for them, again, same thing as kind of Queens with Snyder. Expect them in the next couple of years to to be that playoff team that they're hoping to be. Yeah, I guess, you know, there's not, not a lot to say, but because they're bringing over that that O-lineman mentality, mm. you know, it really showed. And I think this is the biggest point of that game is that they got that new young running back, you know, his, his second year in active duty, getting 179 yards and three touchdowns. Like, yeah, that's, that's Jacob Savant. Yeah, yeah, that's something that we, you know, we did not see coming yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, three touchdowns, 179 the ground, a long run of 86, which you pointed out matched his total yards from last year, obviously not getting too, too many carries. We saw Marvin Gaynor getting a bulk of the carries. So if that can if that can rejuvenate the run game for them, we obviously saw Sam Gerrard last year, a pleasant surprise. Veteran quarterback, from what I hear, very smart quarterback, understands the game very well, went 18 for 34, 192 in the air, no touchdowns and, and one pick. So not a great start, but already utilizing his brand new toy that we mentioned in talking about Queens, Chris Osikusi coming over, eight receptions, 98 yards, uh, and a long reception of 32. So already making an impact. You know, people have been watching Queens or just OUA football for a while, understand how talented this guy is. So, you know, we'll see if that makes for a good pairing. Obviously already it's looking like it's paying dividends on the York side of the ball. We got Brett Hunchak coming back at quarterback. And even though Colton, I forget, I think he's stuck in, in, the, in the league. I don't know what team he's on. Well, whatever it is, 
He ain't there no more. But even without his brother to throw to, Brett still put up pretty good numbers on the day. 24 for 43, 325 yards, two touchdowns. We obviously saw last year what he was able to do slinging the rock. So we'll see for York, 3-5 and five last year. With the way the playoffs broke down, there was going into week eight or nine, there was a weird chance that they were going to sneak in. It just with so much talent in the middle of the OUA. For both these teams, I don't really see it happening. <laughs> I don't think that's a, a, a hot take to drop there. But definitely for Windsor, like we said, with the the influx of the Cercellis taking over and some of the young talent that we see, and I think I think Gerard's only in his third or fourth year. Savani, I think, is in his, I think we said second or third year. Uh, Osikusi, obviously, I think it should be his last year by now. But really starting to set a new culture there and just really see where they can go. On the defensive side of the ball for York, a couple returning players. I'd say the biggest name people will remember would be uh, Rossini, the defensive end. I think he had, oh no, didn't have a sack in this one, but we obviously saw, I think he was top five or amongst the top leaders in sacks last year. Absolute stud there at D end. And yeah, so I mean, this game wasn't really on my radar. Obviously, there's a couple storylines that were interesting to see with these teams. Yeah, no, I I think you know o, OUA offensive player of the week, like we were like we said before, 179 yards on the ground. Um, I think, and I hate to say this because I I just said they're gonna lose when they come down in Toronto, but I think Windsor is, is smart in the way of going the way a Queens is in. I don't want to say rebuilding because it's it's OUA. You don't really have rebuilding, <laughs> redeveloping that program. And if you ask any of the coaches, they'll they'll call me a liar and they're going to say that, you know, they're they're in it to win it right away. But they're well aware if they have that young talent to to kind of set this new mentality of we are a real team, we can compete. And similar to the way you said, you know, if U of T goes zero and eight, but it's competitive, it's going to set mm-hmm. a new a new standard for them. And the same way with Windsor, if Windsor goes and only wins three games this year, four games this year. You know, as long as they're saying, hey, we're at the door, we're, we're knocking, we may not come in this year, but we're going to come in the next couple of years. They could be a team to watch. I'm not I'm not going to keep them on my radar really this year. Hey, yeah. pr- prove me wrong if you're listening, but they are definitely going to be a team to watch the next couple of years. And, you know, something just kind of going over the stats again that I did not notice first time going through, and, and maybe this is uh, indicative of two fairly young teams, but you have York with 18 penalties, for 150 yards. And Windsor with 17 penalties, albeit only for 92 yards. But, and, and you know, I once again, I, I will, uh, you know, hand things over to you. I can imagine coming from a place like Western where consummately they don't get penalties. Everything's very buttoned up. That's something that I can imagine Sir Sally's going to have a very... Very short amount of patience for in cleaning up. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's going to have a lot of patience for it. And I honestly, if you're a coach and you have any take pride in anything that you do, you're not going to have any patience for penalties. True. That's turnovers and penalties are the one thing that you need to be able to control. You know, those those mental errors, the tucking the ball or going offside. There's, there's no room for that. I'd say even in varsity football when it comes to being 16 17 18 so now you're playing with you know we'll, we'll call them we'll call them young adults we'll call them grown men you need to be smart on the ball play whistle to whistle and stop i don't want to say stupid penalties but stupid penalties, stop making stupid penalties there's no mm-hmm. there's no way you were saying what 18 penalties there's no way the majority of those were, <laughs> yeah. were quote unquote smart there are no smart penalties but some are unavoidable but you can't you can't be 
expecting to win games with both teams pretty much giving up a full field of penalties. Yeah. For the year with both these teams, I'd say with York, seeing the damage that uh, Rossini, Sanjong, Jabom will do on the defensive line for them uh, as he's done in his career so far, seeing the numbers that Hunchak will put up in his, what I believe will be his last season at quarterback and, you know, seeing if, you know, they can steal... Who knows if they can be a threat to, to give a team a, a, a run somewhere down the line. And for Windsor, it's going to be how does the how's the Gerard Osikusi connection continue? Is Savani going to be up there in terms of high rushing numbers throughout the year? Obviously, as we've talked about in all these games, small, small, small sample size. We'll see how it plays out as the year goes along. And speaking of which, both these teams going to be in action Next week, you are going home where they'll be taking on the Golden Hawks. Windsor, as you mentioned, coming to Toronto as well, taking on U of T. As we've said, a lot of guys at the 55 here thinking that Windsor might be able to, or pardon me, that U of T might be able to get that win against Windsor. I don't think it would surprise too many people if Windsor takes that win either. But on the York Laurier side... Yeah, no, in uh, York Laurier, <laughs> and again, sorry to any York listeners out there, uh, I just put it down, Laurier wins by a lot. Um, <laughs> and and you're probably going to get to know me for my extremely unnecessary hot takes. Just looking at the schedule right now, I'm going to call it, and it's nothing personal. I don't have York winning a game this year. Interesting. I don't have York winning a game this year. Well, then I'm going to call it right now. I'm going to do a little math and add that loss that would come against Toronto. Add that on to you picking Toronto against Windsor and uh, two and six season, baby. Oh, okay. Two and six season, and it's nothing to you know write home about. But U of T, we're going, we're going two and six. Okay, and and, and it's we now, so I love it. Repping, repping, uh, repping the home city, uh, university, going two and six on that. So I guess that'll wrap it up for our last game of the week there, Windsor and York. Let's move on. Before we wrap up for today, just going to run through week, the Week 2 schedule. I know we've touched on a lot of these games, but we'll just go through it once more. First off, on Sunday at 4 o'clock, the Ottawa GGs with their first game of the season taking on McMaster in Hamilton. This is probably... Yeah, you know what? I'm going to lock this in for my, my game of the week. Super excited to see how the GGs look this year off of the 6-2 and two season, off of a disappointing loss in the semifinal last year against Guelph. And... So excited to see how Mac keeps on growing. I was just so pleasantly surprised with how they looked uh, in week one at Guelph. And just so many things on the Ottawa side of things that I'm just so excited to see what's going on. My biggest question mark is, is Dawson O'Day still there? The running back for the GGs. Last I checked, I don't think I saw him on their roster page. I don't have any reason to believe unless he just pulled a Michael Arruda and just decided to, to leave. But I, as far as eligibility goes, I think he should be able to still play. So I cannot wait to see number 24 in Garden and Gray take the field for them uh, against Mac. Any thoughts on that one? No, I'm still going to call him uh, the Battle of Maroon as much as you <laughs> call me uncultured. Uh, I, have, I have Mac taking this. That's it. Yeah, putting the stamp on that one. All right, uh, I'll uh, you know I'll go I'll go with the uh, the pick for parity in the league and, and say the GGs take this one just to keep things interesting in the standings. Uh, second Sunday game is a seven o'clock affair with the Guelph Griffins traveling to Ottawa to take on Carlton. This was a tight one for pick of the week, perhaps. 
because I just think of where these two teams sort of stand in terms of competitive balance, I think it'll be a great game. A lot of things that we uh, are expecting to see on the Guelph side of things pick up. Obviously, hopefully a lot of players that were injured or missing from that week one game against Mac. Hopefully they're back. And hopefully for Carlton, the offense with Tanner just keeps at quarterback just keeps growing and the chemistry with all those receivers all those weapons they have just keeps building and building any notes on that one for you uh I got Carlson coming out with a win here not just because the travel I think they're the better team in this my big point is that if you guys like low scoring games you're going to want to tune to this one unless Carlton can really step up their offense and same with Guelph uh I haven't seen much uh, offense from either of them right now so It's going to be a low-scoring game unless the chemistry is working a lot better with the quarterback and receivers for Carlton. And I'm probably going to go with Guelph in this one because I'm just hoping that the thing... Bias alert, bias alert, bias alert. Yeah, probably fair enough. You know, I feel like just knowing the team as well as I do, at least as well as I think I do, uh, when I just have the sense of how things could be, I just really hope that they come to fruition. Also, I'll call it a parody pick as well. Carlton taking their week one game. Guelph with the loss in week one, just to make things all the more uh, competitive in the standings. Our last Sunday game is, as we've already mentioned, Windsor traveling to face on U of T. Uh, we've already mentioned our picks. This is the win one of possible two for the U of T Blues coming up. And as we also talked about, if you are in the area, if you're in Toronto, if you are in the six or in the GTA Come out to Varsity Stadium, man. It's going to be a beautiful night. Well, to be honest, I haven't even checked the weather, so that's complete just off-the-cuff remark. Who knows? <laughs> um, but Varsity Stadium's a wicked place to catch a game. A lot of interesting things with this Windsor team coming in there. Sam Gerard, Chris Osikusi, of course, the Sir Sellies, and this you know <laughs> running back out of thin air, just putting up these big numbers. Is he going to show out like he did in Week 1 for the Lancers and for UFT? Is this offense legit? Is what we saw against Waterloo indicative of what they're capable of? Is Clay Secura going to keep balling out? As I already mentioned, Malcolm Campbell is can't miss TV. For you, what's 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 the thoughts on this one? Look, I'm going to say it again. This is now my new team. Uh, Western, you were a thing of the past with me. I love you forever and always. You know, it's where, where I went to school. But U of T is, is my pick for this one. Uh, I think their offense, if they can stick to that pass game, they're going to come up with the win. To all the guys I know at U of T, please, you can send me gear to my P.O. box <laughs> or meet me after the game for our interviews. I'd like a hat, maybe a jacket. But yeah, U of T is my pick of the game. Nothing against Windsor. I think they had a, a, a great game against York but I think U of T if they can keep that offense rolling they're they're going to come out with that home opener win definitely agree I think uh, U of T takes this one moving over to Labor Day first game is once again in Toronto Laurier Golden Hawks taking on the York Lions that's going to be a one o'clock start I'm pretty sure we have, we don't have all the picks in from uh, the at the 55 crew I'm fairly confident we're going with Laurier across the board on this one need a big bounce back game i mean they played as we talked about they played well in the defeat to western but (laughs) if for whatever reason york were to win this game it would be absolutely devastating i don't see laurier doing anything but putting the pedal to the metal stepping on the throat as early as possible putting this one to bed Look, I'm going to double down on my hot take when I said that York's not winning a game this season. I'm going to say Laurier puts up uh, 45. You know what? No, Laurier wins by more than 45. That's the spread I'm putting on. I'm putting an Alabama spread on this game. Laurier's going to take it by more than 45. And then that takes us into the last game on Labor Day. Queens traveling to Western. From a competitive standpoint, 
who knows? You know, Queens was the only other team in the OUA next to Carlton last year that gave them a good match. Whether it's just that rivalry that goes so, so deep and being able to step up in the big moments, who knows? Maybe that can spark another close competitive game. As we said with Queens, this will be a team to watch obviously through the years as they develop. But even this year, I think each week we're going to see improvement week after week as that offense and that team as a whole starts to gel under Snyder. But of course, that's what makes it so compelling and I believe makes it, well, not to steal your thunder, but makes it your game of the week. You're right. This is this is my game of the week. And yeah, Queens can be a very competitive team. You know what they say, any given Sunday. Uh, unfortunately for Queens, this game is on a Monday and Western <laughs> is going to beat them again by 40 points. I think if that if that young new linebacker core can really really settle down, uh, Queens isn't gonna be able to move the ball. And if you know Dylan Giffen can get his his boys on the on the O line actually moving, they're gonna put up huge numbers against Queens. So nothing against Queens, like I said, next couple of years you guys are gonna do great. But Western is still Western. Prove me wrong. Prove them wrong. Prove us wrong. I agree. And you know, I said it earlier. I I I won't be blown away if the season comes to an end and western seven and one maybe even even six and two don't ask me who, who those losses come against but to your point until someone beats them it I'm, I'm not gonna bet against them by any means especially not in this one so that's our our that'll pretty much wrap up the episode uh if you caught any of our uh any of the articles that we posted on the website at the 55.ca we talked about that we are going to be adding on a mailbag section to the podcasts. And we actually have uh, actually a handwritten letter from an E. Meredith for today's episode in what looks like written in blood. Why did you replace me? This show sucks. Uh, I'm just going to I'm going to take that one. Uh, Mr. Meredith, uh, Eddie, I presume, uh, <laughs> Just when I was speaking to my agent about this, they said that they were tired of two linemen speaking for a while, and they wanted to add a little bit of a skill position for you know the hot takes, the 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 trash talking. And I heard you were a great guy. You were great last season, and you know we'd love to have you on as a, as a guest. But for now, <laughs> you know, enjoy retirement. With that being said, Eddie is still very much a, a big part of the at the fifty five crew. Just ha- so many connections throughout the league. Such a passionate love for the game. He will very much be involved in, in what we're doing here. And we love course, you, Eddie. Get your picks in. <laughs> and, of course, mentioning Brandon Mackey joining the team as well. A bit of our U of T insider and just another guy with just a, a big passion for the game. Um, but while, if you haven't caught on yet, that letter written in blood was, in fact, a fake. Surprise, surprise. It was ketchup. Uh, oh, oh it was, you know, okay, yeah, that, that, se- that seems about right. But we are going to add this mailbag section on. You can tweet us with your questions and comments at the 55 podcast. You can hit us up on old school email at the 55 podcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to go into those DMs on Instagram at the 55 podcast, however you want to get your questions and comments to us, hit us up. We'll read them on the air, give you a shout out, whatever you want, and just be able to create a bit of a conversation going. Yeah. Like I said before, um, for these U of T games, well, I'll do it this week and maybe in the coming weeks, you, you DM us, you tweet us why you think you should get a a ticket, maybe a pair of tickets, and I'll you know go out of pocket. We don't have those, those that ad money yet. I'll I'll buy you a pair of tickets to that UFT game. They they need that local support. There you go. So hit up Varsity Stadium this Sunday for what will hopefully be a competitive game, and will hopefully be a UFT win. One and one, baby. There you go. So that'll wrap it up for us uh, here today, Dakota. Great start to the season. Awesome to have you here. 
Thanks for having me, man. Love it. And uh, we'll see you next week at the 55.